making a $9 wine out of a $500 Waterford Crystal wine glass, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, Wednesday, January 29th. I'm Jay Skeets, coming to you live from Atlanta. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey yo, hey yo, the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, today making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. No Tass Mellis today, or likely for the rest of the week. Because that guy is about to be a hashtag girl dad for the second time <laughs> in his life. Yes, his Spoiler wife, Danielle, alert. is expecting another baby girl any minute now, really. So we're obviously sending our best to both Tass and Danielle. And we'll make sure to keep all of you out there posted as soon as we hear the good news. Follow us on social media, guys. Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. You know we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. Email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunks at theathletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Thursday, so you still have a little time to get those cues and comments in. And yesterday, Tuesday, we did drop a second bonus podcast after The Daily Show where we picked and debated our 2020 NBA All-Star Reserves Always one of my favorite shows of the year, so I highly recommend you go download and listen to that one before the big announcement on TNT on Thursday night, because we were picking our teams. Yes, and I got it right, so I'm pretty happy uh, with Oh, that. you did? Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I saw a few tweets <laughs> a little angry with a couple of your choices, Ellis, uh, but it was a blast. Yeah, we disagreed on a few in the East, and uh, specifically one at the end in the West. You know, there were some locks that we all were like, yeah, that's happening, and he's going to get in there, but it was fun to debate who everybody was going for those last couple Love of spots. Love to mix it up with the boys. Yeah, so go check that out. Uh, it's 2020, our NBA All-Star Reserve picks. We got to get to the games from last night, some of the big storylines coming out of those. Uh, we'll touch on those. But first, I know you guys saw it. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast did as well. Last night, TNT's Inside the NBA, they essentially held a wake for Kobe um, in lieu of that postponed Clippers-Lakers game. They also dedicated their entire post-game coverage to, to Kobe as well, had a number of foreign players and current analysts on, on to share their Kobe stories and thoughts and emotions, and it was it was raw. I mean, it was real, and it was, I thought that first hour especially was uh, therapeutic, I'm sure, for those guys, for a lot of people watching, like myself included, it was, uh, it was something else. Did you have a, me- a memorable moment from that pregame, TNT's pregame, or even the postgame tribute, either clips you saw or watching it live? Well, first off, I thought it was very well done by our former colleagues yeah. and friends there at Turner Sports uh, TNT. They just did a they, they captured the moment perfectly. You know, I thought by everyone having an opportunity to share their story and favorite uh, memory and moment, I thought Shaq was just brilliant seeing the big the big guy there uh, getting emotional because um, you know for Shaq, obviously he had a, a very very tight uh, but complicated relationship yeah. there with Kobe, and, and he didn't shy away from that. Uh, but the, the the one moment that really uh, I thought was was kind of brought a tear to my eye the most was Rick Fox talking about his situation how you know people thought he was on board that helicopter and I cannot imagine what it must be like for his family and friends to hear that sort of stuff that hey we heard Rick was on, the, and then yeah. and then no, Rick was fine. I mean, and and meanwhile, he's mourning the news of Kobe himself, his former teammate, ah, yeah, and, and and his daughter and everyone else in that crash, yeah. Because there's so many you know rumors and things fly around when when something like that happens. You don't know what's real and what's not. We heard originally all of Kobe's daughters are on the on the helicopter, yeah. and so for Rick, uh, you know, for his his family and friends to be like, oh my God, were you on there? And, <laughs> And then to get, you know, when, when he spoke back to them and sent messages, said, no, I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Um, that, that, that sort of roller coaster of emotion of like, oh, my God, we've lost him, but no, he's okay. Like, you, you, we were all hoping that would be the case with Kobe. Of course. You know, we were hoping this would be some awful mistake and that somehow Kobe uh, and, and, and everybody, of course, uh, was fine. But unfortunately, that didn't, be, uh, that didn't come true. So um, I, I just thought of, of all the other, you know, sharing games and stories and moments about what Kobe happened in the locker room, I just thought that one, that one affected me a little bit more just because of, um, you know, because of what might have been there for Rick's family. It was Shaq for me. Um, I thought I was all cried out about Kobe, to be honest. And then I saw Shaq and his incredibly moving words and the deep regret in his voice and the things that he obviously wishes he would have changed. And, I mean, Shaq is kind of the 
the number one guy I would want to hear from here. Jerry West is up there too. LeBron will be very powerful, I'm sure, when he speaks. But yeah. the bond between Shaq and Kobe and all of you know the investigations and interpretations of their relationship for the past 20 years uh, to kind of culminate in this moment was, uh, I mean, it was tough to watch, but it was great to watch. There were some really good life lessons in there for everybody. Yeah. Just you really need to make time for the people you love because you don't know when you're not going to have the time anymore. Yeah, you said it like you could hear the regret in Shaq's voice. I mean, he, he was basically saying, I wish I mean, with, with other people that had passed in his life, both his sister and, and, and people prior, damn, I, I should have done more, said more when they were here, and, and now I have this. You know, I'm always going to have this feeling. Um, and I got to get better moving forward with, you know, he was talking about the other guys on the panel, of course, his colleagues and stuff like that, and Chuck, like, you can't, you can't, you don't know when someone's going to go, so you got to do it now. That's, you're absolutely right. He was, that was tough. Because to me, he was, he was basically sharing his heart, obviously, saying, I wish I had done more or said more in these maybe last couple of years. You know, they, they had squashed the beef, and, mm-hmm. and I like that he definitely last night was like, that's it, it's over. We got in fights because we were close, is basically what he said. Yeah, yeah. And everyone, especially Jerry West, kept echoing the idea of like, and, and other guys that had played with both of them, they're like, they're in a way, they're the same beast. They just went about it differently. Um, and maybe that's, what, you know, like brothers Definitely. or whatever. That's how, mm-hmm. like, that's why they were clashed a lot of the time. But that respect and love for each other was there. Um, yeah, Shaq was, look, he's, the, he's, he's gigantic, you know, literally and figuratively, uh, especially as basketball fans uh, for, forever. Um, so to see him showing that emotion, you don't just do It's just, it was tough. You're right. I mean, I was in tears as well. Nora and I were watching it. Uh, I loved when Ernie, obviously, the maestro, trying to like help everyone through this grief and and you know getting to everyone and Shaq's sort of breaking down in tears at that point and getting choked up. So Ernie's like, "All right, let's move on to Wade and let's give yeah. him a break." And Shaq's like, "No, no, I'm not done. Uh, something about that too. Like, he really wanted to get that off his chest, and uh, he did, and all of them did. I, you know, they were all pretty incredible. Like just again, how real and raw it was. That's all you can ask for." Um, exactly right. And to so. me, you could just tell that Shaq had been thinking about Kobe even before Kobe passed away. It seemed like it just seemed like Shaq was excited to be a part of Kobe's Hall of Fame speech when it came around. Because yep. Kobe, obviously, even if he hadn't passed away, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's given the keynote speech on that night. And I don't, I don't know what would have happened. It wouldn't be surprising if Shaq were the man to induct yeah. him. Maybe it could have been Michael Jordan, but surely Shaq would have been a part of it somehow. And you could tell he just had things in his back pocket that he would have loved to be able to joke with Kobe about on a stage like that. You know, Kobe having more rings or the fact that they would have stayed together, they could have won yeah. 10. There were things that he wanted to do with Kobe that are not going to be possible anymore. And it was hitting him hard, and it was just... It was touching to see him power through it. Yeah, and uh, Jerry West right there, too. Oh. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. You can see an 80-year-old man break down in tears. That's always going to hit you. And uh, and it, the, some of the stories and, you know, the relationship that he really had with him, basically admitting that he was, like, a father to him, mm-hmm. I mean, that was uh, that was – that was wild too and uh, tough to, uh, tough to watch but again therapeutic in a weird way mm. I also did love I think it was in the post game um, when Fish was on I loved because there were some fun stories too like obviously they're celebrating uh, uh, Kobe the story about Wade always fouling uh, Kobe in that one particular game <laughs> kept getting away with it and then Fish was like well I'm gonna he's gonna, I'm gonna practice for that we're literally going to, you're going to hit me, or I'm going to get somebody, not fish, but I'm going to get one of these, you know, someone on the staff to just foul me like Wade was getting away with every time in that game, hitting me on the wrist. And then I'll just work on that. Mm. If they're not going to call it, then I'll just work on it. I mean, that's, and Wade, and Wade admitting as such and then saying, oh, then we saw him working out. LeBron and I were like, all right, suits back off. Let's get back <laughs> out there. And we're like, he can't be in, in our place working on our floor longer than us. I mean... Again, these yeah. are these are athletes that are at that that elite level that are just wired differently. I, I mean, I've talked about that when we got here on that Sunday night. That, that that's the part that blows my mind. To get to that level, you're sort of uh, you know you're freakish in a way, just your mindset and your dedication to your craft already to get to the NBA. If you're the last guy in the NBA, an unbelievable achievement. Like the worst guy, whatever you want to say in, in air quotes. And then there's these guys. Yeah. Like I just. It's that's what's and that's what makes them the best of the best. It was also uh, you know when you when you're watching these things and you know you're pretty sad and, and emotional and then something sort of just someone will say something that's kind of funny and I thought when Shaq was saying how 17 uh, year old Kobe was like 
you know, what do you want? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And he said, you know, on the court, I want to be the best player ever, and off the court, I want to be bigger than Will Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny because Will Smith was huge at the time when he came into the <laughs> sure, league. Yeah, you know, um, and it just just like when you think about that, that's that's what we see in so many, uh, particularly in basketball. They want to be basketball players, but also singers or entertainers or whatever it is there, and. Uh, you know those sort of little moments. You just like you almost feel guilty in a way for sort of enjoying it and, and smiling and laughing. But uh, you know th- those um, those stories we just never heard before. You know, yeah. and so to, to hear them are uh, the, the Jerry West story specifically about when Kobe's sort of threatening that he's going to leave the Lakers, and yeah. at that point Jerry West was no longer with the organization, and and Kobe saying, uh, you know, well, I'm going to go to the Clippers. I'll show them. You know, and 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 Jerry West admitting like basically he just said, I never had said this story, and he's like. No, don't go. Don't go play for that owner. Exactly. Like, yeah. like as like a father figure to you, don't do that. Um, you, you know, you you are better than that, and you're going to regret that. Uh, that was, I mean, you were hearing things we had never heard before. Yeah. I mean, they were opening up again. It, like that. I can't imagine how difficult it. Like we are feeling the pain for losing Kobe and his daughter and all these other people in this crash. I just. And then there are people that know him and were friends with him and, and saw him more than he saw his family at times because mm. of the locker room dynamic um, and how difficult it must be. But for them to all get up there, and I thought pretty eloquently and obviously openly share their, their feelings was pretty amazing. And, and it was something Tass said, too. You know, if there was one teeny, 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 I think sort of to quote Tass, good thing that had come out of all this is that idea of, like, you know, these, like, macho guys and these superheroes to us, like, not being afraid to, like, open up, mm-hmm. re- say they regret things, say I wish I had said I love you more, share their feelings, basically. And then it's not like, oh, yeah, bottle that up. Uh, cool, that's cool. You know, like, it's true. If there's one sort of good thing to have come out of this, I think. Yep, people are showing their emotions and, you know, guys are not being afraid to cry right now. Hopefully that continues to be the case and it's not just a weak thing. But, Lee, you're right, it is good to laugh. Um I don't know. I've been to funerals, and it feels like sometimes you're laughing as often as you're crying. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that I will not forget is uh, Reggie Miller's story about the caramel cat. <laughs> like, how, how will you ever shake that on, like, a, such a somber night? And Reggie's setting up this very sad story, it sounds like, and it ends with Kobe asking to be called the caramel cat. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was like a Tim and Eric sketch. It's so, so funny. You're right. Uh, well, keeping it going here with sort of Kobe-related items, according to Shams from The Athletic, there are multiple NBA players who plan to informally retire the number 8 and 24 uniforms. Uh, this was Shams yesterday. We've seen it already. Spencer Dinwiddie, Terrence Ross, Zaire Smith. They already have. There's more, I know, just before we jumped on here to record. Markeith Morris doing it. He's going from number 8 to 88. Um, Quinn Cook was going for number 2, which was Gianna's number. Mm-hmm. He's going to 28. So, you know, Mo Harkless says he's doing it as well. Kemba Walker is considering it. I'm just curious because there's a there's a lot of guys in the league that were wearing, obviously number eight or number 24, and a lot of them, I assume, uh, some sort of tribute to a to a hero of theirs in Kobe. Do you think uh, some of these others that maybe haven't done it yet will feel pressured to change their numbers? And I guess maybe even a more interesting question is like, if you were in their situation, like what would what would you do? Because if that's what it's going to be here, it's all going to be individual, right? Like, yeah. there's not a mandate by the league or yeah, anyone to not. say, hey, get you got to change that number. Um, but, you know, I guess people do feel pressure at times. Well, what, would you, what would you do? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a pressure because I think we're all kind of realizing that people grieve in their own ways. We saw Embiid take the court last night wearing 24. Trey Young took the court wearing yeah. number 8. So there are guys who are honoring Kobe by putting on his number, yeah. even if they're not going to be able to play necessarily the whole season wearing that number. Uh, and Kemba Walker really put it perfectly. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I keep wearing eight to honor him or do I retire eight to honor him? Yeah. For me, I would probably keep that number on my chest for the rest of the season and then find another one in the summer. I, I would do the same because a lot of the time guys wear a number because they want to be like their favorite player. I mean, yeah. LeBron wears 23 because he wanted to be like Michael Jordan. Um, and so, yeah, if, if you wore number 24 or eight because you wanted to, to honor Kobe when you were playing and you know, when he was still around, I would still want to wear it myself yeah, yeah um i wouldn't want to change out of it to to go to a different number i would be like i, I chose this number because of kobe and uh, now it means even more to me but um again whatever people feel is is the right decision for themselves uh, i'm happy with and I, I certainly don't think the league will decide or say you must do this or you must do that i right. think they'll 
leave it up to each team and play. It's honestly awesome that they are letting guys wear a jersey number for just a single game or for a couple of possessions because, I mean, you think back to the summer when Anthony Davis joined the Lakers and he's like, I'm going to wear number 23. It was a big deal. LeBron was giving him his number. But then they're like, actually, you can't do that because Mm -hmm. we have all these uniform restrictions and you have to have your number request in by such and such a time. Uh, It's such a big moment right now. Press photos. There's a million things. The league is saying that does not matter. Um, So I think that's very cool of the league. Yeah, I also wonder... I was thinking about this. I was like, what number did Kobe wear Team USA? And he was number 10, right? At least he was for, um, I, I think he was the at 08, 08. He was 10, yeah. Yeah, for the 08 um, Beijing Olympics, um, winning gold over Spain, he was 10. And I wonder I wonder if there's even something there um, that it's a more, you know, uh, immortalized somehow with the number 10 that he wore. And again, I don't know if he wore that um, in 2012 in London. Like yeah, it, yep. so, so maybe there's something there as well. But I'm with you guys. I, I, I was just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Because, you know, you do see some people like, oh, yeah. You know they got to get rid of it. You know everybody can't wear it, both of them, and that's fine too. I mean, like I don't think anyone's gonna be upset. Like, but I also, if you were wearing it right now, in my opinion, and the league made that decision from now on, no one will wear number eight, no one will wear number twenty-four. Well, I feel like if you're wearing it, you're sort of grandfathered in, and then mm-hmm. yeah. until it goes away. I believe you'd have to fact check I me. Mean, I think that something similar happened when the MLB did that with Jackie Robinson. If you were wearing that number, it wasn't like, "Hey, you got to change right now." Mm-hmm. It's just like when you're when you're done, then no one knew will ever yeah. wear that number. Yeah. And maybe maybe that will be something that happens, but who knows? Um, just final question with this: What do you guys think is, or what would you like to see uh, as an appropriate tribute by the NBA to honor Kobe's memory? We talked yesterday already about the changing of the logo. We don't think that's something uh, that is. It, honestly appropriate or or we don't think that maybe should happen that's our opinions on it is there something though that you had like in mind that you'd like to see similar to the jackie robinson in in baseball i, I think maybe the nba could say for one day eight or 24 and everyone on the same on the team has to wear it um and and we just have one day where we we honor kobe like that i think i think that's something that they could they could do i don't think that's uh you know, going over the top. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think you have to be just very careful here how the NBA proceeds because there will be other tragedies and, and there will be other things like this that happen. And uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you, you, you honor it correctly and you're not trying to then honor every sort of time this something like this happens. Um, you know, it, it's very hard. It's very hard to, 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 to get his, you know, honor him correctly but also not sort of make it too much of a big deal so that when, you know... Unfortunately, other exactly, tragedy happens, you know, yeah. if, if Whatever, we don't yeah, need yeah. to say names, yeah, but yeah. then it's like, okay, well, we have to do that for everybody. So, um, But I, I think certainly the Lakers have a little bit more... Uh, uh, right. That's know. the thing. It doesn't also need to be league-wide by right. any means. It could yeah. be just Lakers-specific, as it, playing his whole career there. Uh, that's fair. Do you have uh, something in mind? They should name the All-Star MVP trophy after Kobe Bryant. I'm with you 100% on this. He's got the most all-star MVPs of all time, tied with Bob Pettit at four. He's the second most all-star appearances of all time at 18. The all-star game is next month. I think that this is going to happen, and it should happen. Yeah, I co-sign 1,000%. I mean, especially he was in these games trying to be the brightest star of all the stars. Definitely. And, uh, and, you know, and that's sort of what that MVP honor is going to. So, uh, yeah, naming the trophy after him. In, a, in that game, I he got think, a broken totally nose in an All Star yeah. game. I think I think that would have been honestly like moving 10, 20 years down the line, an appropriate um, decision if you did the MVP trophy in the All Star game, no matter the circumstance, yep. right? You, you know, without him passing, even. Um, I would also like to see these guys, in all honesty, take some of that Mamba mentality, throw it into this All Star game coming up here. Uh, you know, play with a little fire, and and because we've talked about that, um, you know, for for years and years and years. Oh, you know, what's the point of this game exhibition? You know, no one tries. What's the point? Yeah, that'd be sort of cool. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on the All Star Game MVP. I actually think that's something they will do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I agree. Said. Um, all right, well, let's get to the games. But first off, word from our sponsors. Hey, sports fans. Yeah, you. I know you're a sports fan. Me? Yeah, you and you. You like cricket. I love it. Crying out loud. Um, I have a daily sports podcast I want to tell you about from Wondery and The Athletic. It's called The Lead. I listen to it. It's awesome. Every weekday morning, The Lead brings you a deep dive into the biggest sports stories of the day from The Athletic's all-star team of local and national sports reporters. Stories like, where did the 49ers new star running back Raheem Mostert come from? 
or what can Zion Williamson do for the Pelicans? So if you're looking for the full story behind last night's scores and today's hot takes, make sure you subscribe to The Lead from Wondery and The Athletic. The Lead. And hey, stick around at the end of this show for a short clip from The Lead just to give you a little taste of what you're missing out on. All right, last night's games in headline form, guys. All right? First one. Without Giannis, Chris Middleton's career night carries bucks. Middleton, 51 points, 10 boards, 6 assists on 16 for 26 shooting. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I mean, it would have been, honestly, that would have been maybe one of the best woe boys of the year had a little defense been sprinkled in there. But, you know, it's always tough. You put eh. that on the graphic, you got, you got the no steals, no block. But what a line. Um, Middleton's previous career high was 43 at Charlotte back in 2017. Chris Middleton, Lee. Just after I said he never goes out and gets you 50. <laughs> That's funny you said that. We saw a lot of people tweeting this, and I made sure JD grabbed the clip from our all-star show that we picked our reserves, uh, yeah, like uh, less than 24 hours ago. Here's the clip. Middleton doesn't have a super flashy game. He never really goes out there and gives you sort of 45, and he's not talking trash or getting into it. He just goes out there, does his job. Bud's got a lot of guys there who can play a lot of minutes. When Middleton went down, they didn't really miss him. Other guys sort of step in and take his place. Yeah, he doesn't give you 45. You're not technically wrong. He gives you you 51. Yeah, he does. I will say it was against the Wizards, so uh, it's, that's not a real 51. It's more like a 38. But again, <laughs> we had Fred we had Fred Katz in here the other day saying that every 150-point game the Wizards are involved in, and once again, the yeah. Wizards are on the wrong end of a 150-point game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know Middleton was feeling it, and oh, man. It's, it is obviously, we talked about his efficiency on that All-Star show when we were picking our reserves. He was flirting with 50, 40, 90 at the time. He is now... A part right now of the 50-40-90 club, 50% from the floor, 40-plus from three, 90-plus at the line uh, because he went perfect in this game, and that bumped him up a little bit. But, yeah, when Chris Middleton is strolling down the lane and throwing down a a big dunk, you know the D's uh, not locked in that much. That was uh, – you're not seeing that from Middleton all that much. But, but look, that jumper was pure. That thing was barely hitting rim on most of his shots last night. That's what I'm saying. It's a wind-assisted 51 points. Oh, yeah. So it's like someone running the 100 or 200, but then you got the wind behind him. It's a nice run, but you were were assisted. Because the Wizards made it fake close as well in this game. Yeah, Yeah, they did. did. So – Good for Chris. I'm happy yeah. for him. He's going to get the uh, the recognition tomorrow night on uh, on TNT when he gets named as a reserve too. He's he's an underrated player. And hey, 150 points, even if it, if it's against the Washington Wizards, that's a lot of points. And I mean, Middleton, he was on fire, but a lot of his jumpers were open or like a guy's running at him, give him the simplest pump fake, just yeah. take a little sidestep and you're knocking it down. But if you're scoring 150 against any team without your MVP, that's encouraging. Because yeah. uh, heading into the playoffs, the question will be, what happens when Giannis doesn't have it going? What happens when a team figures out a way to make it tough on Giannis and they got to find a plan B? Chris Middleton is showing he can be an incredible plan B. Yeah, he had 28 first-half points, and the Bucks put up 88 points before the half. <laughs> Only the eighth team in the shot clock era to, to reach that 88-point mark uh, in a first half. <laughs> wow, that's something else. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, by the way, 34-10 and 10, uh, to, to go along with Middleton's 51-10-6. and 10 and 6. Bucks improved, 4-0 without Giannis. So the Bucks are actually better without Giannis, mm. technically. Overrated. Yeah, trade him. Yeah, yeah, maybe look to cash in on him right now. You're right. Uh, yeah, Bucks continuing to roll. The one thing you did get right though, when we were talking in that All Star podcast, Lee was like, no one is talking at all, and this uh, Middleton included about this Bucks team who is now 41 and six. Yep. Um, and are on pace. I mean, and now there's talk. Like, I guess uh, was it their owner that just came out and, and maybe told Michael Jordan that they're chasing. Uh, they were chasing the Bulls like 70 plus wins, and and I guess you'd have to get to the to the 73 to yeah. tie the oh, Warriors. Don't we? Yeah, we, too I, too I, soon. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a like a pitcher going uh, pitching a perfect game. Yeah. In like the sixth inning right now, and I don't even know if we're in the sixth. We're like through five. Pitchers looked dominant. A lot of strikeouts, <laughs> but we're not. Well, yeah, I didn't say anything. We're not talking about it yet. Uh, of the Bucks trying to break that record. Here's the next headline. Raptors Kyle Lowry breaks the all-time franchise record for assists. Lowry 12 and 11 last night, 11 assists while becoming Toronto's career assist leader. That ninth assist, a little long outlet pass Terrence Davis, a little layup in the fourth. Lowry moved past Hams. 
<laughs> Jose Calderon on Toronto's career list. Uh, he eclipsed uh, Calderon's 3,770 assists. Lowry, now the franchise leader in assists, already the franchise leader in three-point field goals and steals. He's had quite a remarkable Raptors career when you think about it. And he didn't want to go there in the first place. He thought he was getting traded. <laughs> yeah. And now I think it's pretty unanimous that he's regarded as the best Raptor of all time. You know, Obviously, Vince has been more impactful from a global standpoint. Chris Bosh was, was probably a better player per se in his prime there in Toronto. Uh, but Lowry has just kind of gritted, gritted and grinded his way to become uh, beloved by Raptors fans everywhere. A champion, all-star, all-NBA, and now holding numerous uh, accolades as, yeah. the, as the franchise leader. So it, it really, to me, it is, you, you wouldn't have thought this was going to be the way it was going going when he got traded to Toronto. And then when he basically had his bags packed, he said, because he was going to the Knicks. And instead that trade falls through. And, and the turnaround from that has just been incredible. Still a roller coaster season, I feel like, for the Raptors, though. They're just giving you a lot of upsies and downsies because eight straight wins. They're now the second seed in the Eastern Conference, but another two guys got hurt last night. As soon as they get healthy, somebody goes out. Last night it was OG and Mark Gasol. I think Gasol's not going to be playing tonight or, or the next game, uh, Cleveland on Thursday. Um, so I don't know. The Raptors have done pretty good. And I guess they're probably getting used to playing without I most of their so. starters and, you know, the bench guys, the reserves are producing. But, man, it would be nice if they could actually stay healthy and put together their team and so we can see how good are they really. Are they actually a, a dark horse to get to the NBA Finals? I don't think it's out of the question, uh, depending on what happens with the Bucks in the playoffs. Yeah, um, the Raps did beat the Hawks, by the way, here, 130-114. to 114. It was cool. Vince Carter was there, and uh, they got to share a moment, Lowry and, and Carter, uh, when Lowry uh, hit this achievement or passed Jose Calderon. Jose had a video up, too. The yeah. NBA had him. That was pretty neat that they were sharing, congratulating him. Uh, this was cool, too, from this game. When the Hawks reached 81 points late in the third, the digits were displayed in purple on the scoreboard hmm. uh, in tribute to Kobe, who obviously scored a career-high 81 against Toronto way back in 2006. The plan was it was going to change the purple if they if any team had hit 8, 24, or the 81, and it, it only happened the hmm. one time in this game, hmm. and that was the one, but it, it looked pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you're right, though. Reps, they... they Dominate. You have this uh, cool achievement, and uh, and then two more guys go out. It's uh, they just they've just had one of those seasons, but maybe come April and that whole team and full squad is there, they're gonna be a tough out. I mean, whether or not they're going uh, back to the finals or even the conference finals, who whenever they, whenever they do go out, if they do, it's gonna be a war. They are not gonna go down without a fight they are no one i don't think is going to want to really play them because their defense is elite and then they get all these contributions and they have of course that experience now from last year and and years prior really of uh being in those dog fights in the playoffs but we don't lose in the playoffs <laughs> the raptors it sometimes looks like they're an awful team in the playoffs and other times they look unbeatable yeah, yeah. you know that's that's the roller coaster of the raptors they never really seem to sort of crush opponents it's like make it way harder than it needs yeah, to yeah. but they can also get over the line so who knows man Next one here, Joel Embiid. We talked about it very, very briefly. We sprinkled it in there. But Joel Embiid wears number 24 and scores 24 points as the 76ers honor late Lakers, late Lakers legend Kobe. Uh, Embiid, this was sort of pretty cool, I thought. Embiid called up Philadelphia legend Bobby Jones to ask him, to ask Jones, if he could wear his retired number 24 as a tribute to Kobe. And, and Jones agreed. But he had, like, rules <laughs> for it, which I thought was neat. And I know the Sixers were sharing this on their social media channels. You know, Bobby Jones was saying, I shared with, with Embiid that Kobe, in addition to doing all that scoring, was a 12-time all-defensive player. I only made it 11 times, so there's a lot of defense that goes into that number 24. I told uh, Joel to play hard defense because that is what the number 24 represents in my mind. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, and then, and then he, he gets the 24 points, and he's hitting the fadeaway shot yelling Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. After yeah. the game, too, uh, Serena Winters, Winters interviewed him and said basically his first time he was watching basketball was Kobe yeah. in the finals, which is incredible to see. That was like nine, ten years ago. And now here's Joel Embiid, an all-star, and all-NBA player himself in the NBA, and he's only started playing basketball ten years or so ago. That, that's just amazing. I know Pascal Siakam has a similar story to that, but uh, you know, to just pick up the game and then to be a dominant player in the world is, uh, is incredible. Incredible. Yeah, and the Sixers uh, got that win, and, and Embiid looked pretty solid coming back. This was his first game back from the, from the hand injury and had it all bandaged up, but 
looked decent out there in that victory. And the Sixers were still playing kind of fast, I yeah, thought. You know, they true. weren't just waiting around for Embiid to get set up. Uh, he was playing a little bit of, you know, the trail role while also still able to get his post touches like he needs. Howell Neto had a big game, and I think he's become a little bit important for the Sixers. They need somebody else out there who can hit an outside shot and can make some plays, which then lets Simmons play somewhere else off the ball. Just gives them a little bit more shooting, keeps the pace going. So, you know, Neto being in the lineup, Korkmaz being in the lineup has definitely helped the Sixers. Open How reliable up. are those guys going right. to be come playoff time? We will see. But that, to me, uh, you know, there's always talk about the Sixers need to upgrade, like, their wing shooting or get another shooter, all this kind of stuff. They need to get a really good backup point guard who can sop up minutes. They need their version of George Hill or Fred Van Vliet, somebody who can win a quarter for you if you need it. Yep. Great point. Next headline here. This is a good game. Good win. Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward lead the Celtics over the Miami Heat. 109-101. Jalen, 25 points on 10 of 16 shooting with go along with 5 assists. And Commissioner Gordon, 29 points on 10 of 14 from the field with 9 boards. No Tatum in this one. Mm. Celtics go into Miami where not a lot of people go down there and get the victory. And they do. Uh, in a in a, Honestly, a really, really, I thought, solid win from Boston. Even on a night where Kemba was not really you know, killing it. He wasn't feeling it. And Marcus Smart was classic Marcus Smart. He wasn't great for a long time, and then he hits the only shot really that matters. He hits that big dagger three with about two minutes to go that, that iced the game for him. And that sort of tap back that he had and off that, a miss. Great point. I mean, uh, again, that's a classic Marcus Smart highlight reel, um, you know, play, but not one that you're going to sort of see in the box score. Just an incredible tap smart stuff from him. But yeah, the Celtics got ahead and just managed to always keep Miami at sort of arm's distance in yeah. this one and uh, yeah important very important win for the Celtics and Miami at home it's uh, it's a very very tough place only their third loss this season so good stuff from Boston and um, yeah I thought Jalen Brown who uh, might be an all-star reserve name tomorrow yeah, night yeah you must have been feeling pretty good <laughs> we, were, we were feeling good about the Booker pick too yeah, yeah, Booker yeah, having yeah. a good game going into Dallas everybody's feeling good about yeah, their picks cool. smart guys bunch of smart guys yeah yeah no Jalen was uh, he, he just looked at times like by far the most athletic guy on the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably is. Um, mm-hmm. In a game with a lot of them, uh, talented guys out there, athletic guys. Man, he was slashing and nice little finishes. He was great, and he had the three-pointer going too. You yep. pair it with that, and you're you're feeling good. And and Hayward, this look, the Celtics are no joke when this is the Hayward that's playing. That's, to me, what it is. Tatum and Brown, we know what they're capable of, where they are right now in their careers. We know what Smart's going to give you. Uh, he's going to miss 10 <laughs> shots, and he's going to hit an important one, and he's going to make all these important plays. Um, but it's that, to me, it's that, it, it is Gordon Hayward. He is the he is a massive wild card in, in any sort of playoff round for their chances going forward. And I would say that was his best game since coming back from injury. And before he went out with that injury, we were talking about how he had... His body just seemed normal again and how he, you know, was was able to master the slowing down and the guy kind of just jets on by you, but you keep control and hit a little bank shot. He was doing a lot of that last night. He can create plays for others. He can shoot from the outside. He can get to the hoop and get some buckets. Uh, Gordon Hayward's certainly an X factor. And, you know, um, coming into the season, maybe he would have had some all-star buzz. None right now, but I think that's just a, a function of him being a good team guy right now. And you look at the Eastern Conference right now. Um, just the, you know, the Bucks are running away with it, of course. But then Toronto, you said, moved into second. They're 33 and 14. Well, Miami's in third, 32 and 15. Boston's 31 and 15 in fourth. Philadelphia's 31 and 17. They're in fifth. And then the Pacers, who are getting Oladipo back tonight, they're 30 and 17. Three wins in the three three games or three wins in that win column separating these five teams. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, this is good. like this like that win is my point is that win could matter mm-hmm. like that's one of those ones i saw you know ghostface ziller write about it uh in his little write-up today in good morning it's basketball it's like there are less than three dozen games left this season like this these type of wins yeah, matter sure. a lot when it when we're talking seeding and who plays who um in a first or then maybe even eventually a second round so really really impressive uh, celtics win again w- without jason tatum I- even in the lineup and i said it final one victor oladipo returns to the pacers tonight it's been a year a year since we've seen this play, this guy play basketball. Um, but what, what do you, what do you expect to see from Oladipo in, in his first game back in a long, long time? 
Well, I guess he's going to come off the bench. And, That's a, uh, yeah, by all know, accounts, um, yes. It's against the Bulls, so uh, there'll probably be some chances for him to come out there and uh, get a couple of good looks and some easy baskets and feel his way back into the game pretty well. So it's a good game for him to come back against. How, Sorry, dare, how dare you say that with him sitting right here? <laughs> hey, the Bulls are only two games out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they two are. and a half out of the seventh seed. Yeah, the Pacers Watch are your back, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> the Pacers are a nine-point favorite going into tonight, so that just Ooh. shows that uh, you know the Pacers, you know, have been a very, very good team. And so I think Oladipo is probably going to spend I, I would guess you know four or five games until he feels really good coming off the bench so you think they'll they'll slow play it I, so I, to speak i don't see why they would rush him in when they're playing well and um you know he doesn't seem the sort of guy to me who's like all right i'm back give me my shots when the team's you know things are going well for them i think he could be a really impactful player you know as the second unit guy for them so but maybe Nate McMillan's like, you know what? If he's ready to go, a couple of games, right. bang, straight back in there. Right. I'm not sure because he's an all-star. He's a great player. Yeah, but there can always be growing pains when you add a Absolutely. guy of his caliber, an all-NBA guy that is that that you know is their bucket getter. I mean, it just changes roles for everybody else. It's just what happens. And Definitely. It's how everybody adapts. So he's never played with Malcolm Brogdon, who handles the ball. TJ Warren is a guy who scores a lot of points now. DeMontis Sabonis, I would say, is even more involved in the offense yeah. than he was last season there are things to figure out, which is why I would say, you know, just take your time, Victor. Play five minutes, ten minutes tonight. Just take it easy. This is a tough injury to come back from. The two guys that I remember having uh, quad problems, Tony Parker, he was quite diminished when he came back from his torn uh, quad tendon. He was also 35 yeah, when it happened, which is different. Yep. And then Kawhi Leonard also had his quad problems, missed basically an entire season. It's a tricky thing. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of load on that, uh, that tendon going into your knee, your huge muscles there, so... You know, if you if you want to just come back against a team that's not the Bulls, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he said he says he feels good by all accounts, Oladipo. He says uh, he's even going to have that mindset. Hey, I'm not going to be afraid to try and go get 40, but I'm going to like obviously try and work my way into the to the success we're having here without me. I thought this was cool. I saw on Pacers.com. Um, you know, Nate McMillan sort of actually has sort of firsthand knowledge or experience with sort of abruptly changing roles. Four seasons into his career, Nate McMillan, he was he started nearly ninety percent of the games for the Sonics. I mean, he was a starting point guard. Mm-hmm. He was a starting guard. Then on draft night, nineteen ninety, Sonics draft Gary Payton and second overall pick, and they're like, "Well, he's going to be next season starter." And again, this is on Pacers.com. I, I mean, I was learning reading it. It's like, I guess another team came to McMillan and was like, "Well, hey, you're a starter caliber guy." They're saying GP is going to be starting. Do you want to like get traded or come come play for us? And he's like, "No." I'm going to make this work. So, you know, for the rest of a good chunk of his career, he was like a part-time starter, but for the most part was coming off the Mm. bench. And obviously, you know, had some successful teams and never won the championship, but uh, made it work with GP starting. So maybe that that helps. Again, like I'm not saying Oladipo is going to be like – not, he's going to be coming off the bench for the rest of the season. My point is somebody is, so is like mm-hmm. Lamb or whoever. Like Someone's going to have to just uh, adapt to that role, and, and maybe Nate McMillan can, being able to speak firsthand about his experience with it will help. We'll see. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Lily, you got Tweet of the Night. What do you got for Yeah, us? I have this one. Uh, sort of falls out of the boundary of Tweet of the Night. It goes back about 36 hours now, but uh, it was such a good one, such a fun one, because with so many people sharing their favorite memories and moments of Kobe, uh, I really like this uh, interaction, really, I guess, from Swaggy P and Lou Williams, because okay. uh, Swaggy P tweeted this one out. I just seen your man and you was talking about the broke thumb story. LOL. Crazy ass didn't believe me, but I tell you, was the f- you was, was the first person to check up on me before surgery and after. I told him I'm going to tell the story of him throwing my shoes in the trash next, and he laughed. And then he tweeted again, I can't believe that was our last time talking. This shit hurt. And then that story about throwing shoes in the trash, uh, Lou Williams also chimed in and said, uh, once we got blue out in Portland, he took everybody, co- everybody Kobe's and said they couldn't wear them because we were soft. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, I can just imagine Kobe going into that locker room after they get blown out, going up to the guys with Kobe. Give me your shoes. Give me, just give them to me. Give them to me. No, no you know, really pissed off, really angry. And I was like, it's all right, man. No, give them to me right now. And taking it like and put them in a big bag, taking them out the back and just throwing like thousands of dollars worth of shoes in the trash <laughs> because his team just didn't play hard enough. And, uh, they weren't deserving to yeah. wear them. I mean, those are the sorts of stories that, you know, just show his his crazy competitiveness. Like, it was probably just a, you know, mid-season game that no one really cared about. But Kobe was just so upset with everybody that he, uh, he said, get my shoes off. You're not wearing them anymore. So... 
There you go. Tweet of the last 36 hours. No, I like it. I like it. Although, I will say, I don't know how you didn't pick yourself for tweet of the night. <laughs> Lee tweeted last night, uh, excuse me? With this dance cam clip from Cleveland. We got the clip. Lee Ellis, I see you. Come on with it, Lee. <laughs> so, okay, let me, if you haven't seen it, go to Lee's Twitter account. I retweeted it too. But it's uh, it's a clip of, you know, like any dance cam clip. On the crowd, there's uh, one older guy dancing poorly, I guess. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of kids around them too. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm on the Jumbotron. And then, and then you hear, because you don't see this, uh, the Cavs, uh, you know, in arena game ops guy or whatever on the mic say this like we just heard. One more one more time, J.D. I one love more. it. Lee Ellis, I see you. <laughs> Come on with it, Lee. <laughs> so, do we know anything more about this, Lee? Like, did anyone from the Cavs, like, explain it or what? I mean, I'm so confused. No one uh, from the Cavs officially, but a couple of people who were at the game tweeted me and said, you know, did I just see you on the dance cam or something like that? And I just thought, oh, well, maybe there was just, uh, you know, someone who looked like me up there. Yeah. But then someone sent me a, a, a direct message on Twitter here and said... Uh, where is it? Let me find it here. Uh, oh, I swear the stadium announcer in the Cleveland Pels game said your name. Was going through calling out people in the crowd for a dance-off. Camera shows a guy with glasses. He says, hey, I see you, Lee Ellis. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I had to go and dig in, and I found it. And uh, it, was, it was pretty funny because he, yeah, bring it, Lee, or whatever he says at the end. Like it wasn't, I know. He oh, says it man. twice. Yeah. But here's the weird part. The guy... I mean, well, Trey and I have been disagreeing a little bit over the clip. I don't think he looks that much like you. I've seen other people that look way more like you. And he's not wearing glasses. No which, glasses as yeah. the catch. So there's the guy, and he's dancing like Lee would probably maybe dance if he's on the dance That's camp. Nice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> 90% of the face. But then there is a kid, because I saw other people tweeting, no, he's referencing the little kid in glasses. It's a young Lee Ellis. Now, I think that's a real stretch. If you know who Lee Ellis is, you don't, <laughs> you don't think it's a kid. <laughs> right. But the, 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 the weird thing is the bigger guy doesn't really have a beard like I know. any scruff he, or glasses. He doesn't really look like you. I'm, yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I'm with you on that. That's why it's very confusing. He actually, I thought the guy looks like, there's a, there's like this dumb picture of a guy at a Raptors game, uh, like lint rolling his shirt, who people thought looked like Lee as well. He looks like that guy. So he looks like a guy that looks like Lee. I gotta dig, <laughs> gotta dig this lint roller up. Oh, I love the, I uh, love the like um, joy in the guy's voice. Like I'll see Lee Ellis, like he's loving it. Like, uh, and like, is he just saying it to make himself laugh? Like, you know, like. How many people in that arena? I guess maybe a couple because you yeah. said they DM'd you, but five out of the, I don't know how many were in that game last, like 10,000 plus, yeah. I guess. Uh, how many get that reference? <laughs> <laughs> I guess whoever it was uh, used to watch us on TV and stuff. Maybe. I mean, we yeah. were in Cleveland a lot for yeah, the finals well, uh, oh, with LeBron. Right. So, yeah. I mean... They know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they literally well, know what you sort of look like. Look, look, look. If uh, you are this particular gentleman that made the call or someone in the Cavs organization that knows a little bit more about this, the inside joke or whatever, holler at us. Yeah. Get at Lee Ellis or get at No Dunks Inc. on Twitter. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear the backstory behind this or is it just a spur of the moment? That guy sort of looks like Lee. Yeah. That guy's dancing funny. Maybe I should Maybe I should try to work it here and say I was offended. And uh, the only way they can oh, make yeah, it up to me is... Apology, get tickets. <laughs> yeah, get tickets. On. Let me sit on the bench for a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Lee. Let me get a run in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you, Lee Ellis, on the court. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, it's all coming together now. Another well, sad part of this video, though, is that nobody knows the Macarena Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a long time ago that the Macarena was popping, but each one teach one. We got to pass this thing down yeah. to our children. Even, even I, off the top of my head, know the basic uh, Macarena moves, right? The crossing of the arms. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. It's arms out first, is right. it? then a cross body, and then you do a little shimmy. Well, uh, over, 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 under, yeah. under, yeah. under, cross, cross. Wiggies. Wait, yeah, right, 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 right. All right, we'll reenact it later with the, the real Leos, and then I'll be the guy like, I see you, Leos. Uh, all right, let's get to Pick'em Results presented by Cash App. This segment is brought to you by Cash App, the number one finance app in the App Store. Cash App is the easiest way to send money to your friends like when you owe someone a nifty or a ton. There's no need to go to the ATM. Just hit up your buddy with a Cash App, me bro. Bada bing, bada boom. Transfer complete. But Cash App does way more than that. 
Cash App is also the easiest way to try and grow your money with a new investing feature. Unlike investing tools that force you to buy entire shares of stock, Cash App lets you instantly invest as little or as much as you want. This way you can still own a piece of any stock with just $1. Brokerage services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. We are also excited to be working with Cash App to support one of our favorite organizations, the ACLU. When you sign up for Cash App and use the promo code NODUNKS, one word, not only will you receive 10 bucks, but Cash App will also donate 10 bucks to the ACLU. The ACLU's mission remains realizing the promise of the Bill of Rights for All and expanding the reach of its guarantees. Beyond one person, party or side, the ACLU dares to create a more perfect union. Don't forget promo code NODUNKS, one word, when you download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today. Tuesday night's game was the Celtics in Miami. Miami was favored by one and a half. Close line. Tass, he has to swerve from here on out to even give himself a chance of tying in the month of January to get back into it. He swerved. He took the Celtics and he won. Everybody else took the heat. Um, so Tass is technically still alive when it comes to maybe catching Trey or I. Tass is 8 and 11. Trey and I are 11 and 8, and Lee is now 12 and 7. So three nights left here in January. Tass, he threw the game at us to pick from, and he already told us who he's picking. So the game is Houston at Portland. Portland favored by one and a half. Similar line, exact same line as last night. Home team favored by one and a half. Tass is taking the Houston Rockets. So, Lee, just quickly make your pick. Who you got? I'm going with the Blazers because uh, Russell Westbrook never beats Damian Lillard. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. I like that. Okay, so so Lee's got the Blazers. Tass has the Rockets. Now, <laughs> Trey, it's, uh, I mean, let's let's be honest. To keep this at least somewhat interesting, at least one of us should take uh, should take the Blazers, right? To, to, to flip it on Tass. Yeah, I was it, actually going to take uh, the Celtics last night, but then Tass hopped in quickly with the Celtics, so I had to reverse swerve on him oh. to keep it interesting, and I'll, I'll do it again. Uh, this is the third game in four nights for the Rockets, fourth in six nights. Give me the Blazies. Oh, so now, okay, well, if you did it last <laughs> night, then I'll do it tonight. And then we might have to go to Paper, Rock, Scissors or something <laughs> tomorrow. So I will take the Rockets. I'm with Tass. Um, no, no, what am I saying? Yeah, you're, you know, you're doing me a favor, is what I should be I saying. Am. Yeah, you're doing me a favor. Well, thank you. Um, okay, I got the Rockets with Tass. You guys got the Blazers. Good luck to everybody. Maybe it ends in a tie, and then we'll have to figure it out from there. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Don't forget about the other great podcasts on The Athletic, The Daily Ding, Back to Back, Tampering, House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows from some of our favorite athletic beat writers. And if you're not yet a member of The Athletic, check this out. You can get all of our podcasts ad-free, Plus, the best sports writing for every major sport. Hey, sports fans. We got a lot of sports. Oh, yeah. I like athletic. sports. Yeah, get 40% off your subscription today. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. Again, sending our best to Tass and Danielle. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Brace the day, people. You could stay. It's Super Bowl week, Kavitha. Yeah, man. I mean, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs just went off during these playoffs. And that Niners defense is just stout. Right. And the one guy everyone will be watching closely is the dude who torched the souls of Packers fans and basically gave Jimmy Garoppolo the day off. Mostert, left side. Another first down carry and more. How about a touchdown? His fourth touchdown of the ball game. Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns against Green Bay. This is a guy who was cut by six different NFL teams and who, before the season, was mostly seen as a special teams player. And so today, we're going to speak with The Athletic's Tim Kawakami, who has been covering the 49ers for years, about how much of a surprise Mostert's performance really was, if he was a one-game wonder, and how surfing has influenced the way he runs. The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. From Wondery and The Athletic, I'm Anders Kelto. And I'm Kavitha Davidson. This is The Lead. It felt like something great was happening. There was just something about the emotion and that moment. The failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy. You can't get anything like that. 
This isn't a story where you interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. So, Tim, Raheem Mostert's performance against the Packers was truly historic. What was his reaction after the game? He was like, you know, yay, Raheem, did you know that was one of the greatest games a running back ever had in the NFC Championship game? No, I did not, actually. And truthfully, for you to even say that right now is like, I, I'm still shocked. Like, I can't believe that. That's the kind of guy he is, the kind of guy a lot of these players are. But especially Raheem had been bouncing around from lead, from team to team. Really wasn't thought of as a running back until the 49ers just started plugging him in there. And he just never had a bad run. He just never went for less than five yards. So you might as well just keep giving it to him. Somehow the handoff into the arms of Mostert. He's gone. Touchdown, San Francisco. You know, just he still acts like a journeyman. He acts like a guy who was a special teams player who isn't going to be a featured back while he's putting up some of the you know mega numbers in the playoffs. They all treat themselves and they look at the world like they're a bunch of journeymen. It's, it's very, very refreshing. Uh, and I think it is a large part of how they've kind of coalesced together. They all, nobody's bigger than anybody else in that locker room. Even the guy who goes for 200 whatever yards in the NFC Championship game. He's a surfer, right? He is a surfer. First of all, you got no wetsuit on. You're just straight trunks. Are you riding longboard, shortboard? You've been to Mavericks yet? Like, like, walk us through the surfing and when you started and how you got into that. You know, I started uh, surfing when I was about 13 or 14, and uh, you know, it's just been a big hit for me, uh, going out there on the waves and riding the waves like you see in this video, man. Um, just enjoying the, the the atmosphere and the water, and I, I want to go to Mavericks. So you know, bad. almost got a surfing contract from Billabong. He's, you know, Florida waves. So out here in California, we're not sure what that is, but uh, <laughs> I guess they get waves out there. And he certainly he runs like a surfer. Mostert in the backfield, he gets it. Samuel out in front. Touchdown kind of feels the crest. He kind of like glides towards to where the hole is and he catches the next wave and there he's gone. And guys don't expect him to get past him and they get past him. It's not like a classic running back. He's not like Walter Payton juking, juking, juking. He's kind of kind of filling the moment, feeling where it is. The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. And uh, do you think he's been enjoying his time in the spotlight here? Yes, I think he has. He understands what it's like not to be any part of this, to be such an afterthought to your cut by five teams. He understands that, you know, a world where he's not a star. He's lived in that world. So he's going to enjoy it a little bit. Again, I don't think he's seeking out crazy fame, but these guys are all kind of enjoying it. Right now, they're all kind of like, this is pretty good. This is pretty good right now. And so, Tim, Mostert's performance seemed to come out of nowhere. But did you foresee this? You know, I don't think you ever foresee a guy going for 200-plus in an NFC Championship game unless he's, you know, a top, top pick. He certainly wasn't. But he's been impressive. Every time he's carried the ball, he's been impressive. He's been a star special teamer, so you knew he had some skills. But you saw something building there, and you sometimes running backs just come out of nowhere. You, this, the Shanahans are famous for that. Pulling some guy out of the fifth round, he runs for 1,000 yards. Mostert is in that category. They've tapped into something with him. Kyle Shanahan recognized it, though. So he's been good for most of the season. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us, and it'll be interesting to see if Mostert and the 49ers can pull it off on Sunday. All right. I'll see you. Talk to you later. 